0: Week, Evan and Michael strapped on swords and went on a suicide mission to save Japan. Because this week
1: we watched 13 Assassins. Welcome back to How Did You Miss This, a show where we tend to the gaping wounds in our movie watching history. I'm Evan Toller Hickey, and with me as always, Michael Hansen and Chris Deshayne. And today we're going to be talking about the 2010 film 13 assassins this is a remake of the 1963 movie of the same name it pulls in from lots of different samurai films it has been voted one of the top 10 samurai films ever by the british film institute so uh
2: michael uh how did we miss this actually i said that i missed it i didn't actually miss it i remembered as i was watching this that you know what i've watched it before I must have gotten very confused between 13 Assassins, um, Seven Samurai, whatever that um, Keanu Reeves movie was. I think I just got it completely mixed up between all the number of movies. Um, So I had watched it. I remember having rented it before, uh, but this was actually, spoiler, a very welcome return to this one. So, yes, i watched it before. Super glad I watched it again. Uh, How about you, Evan? Well, um,
1: I missed this somehow, um, and i'm i'm not entirely sure how because i actually like uh, takashi mike films uh, takashi mike the director of this film did uh, audition 1999 he did ichi the killer uh, the last one of his that i saw in theaters was sukiyaki western Django, which i think was 2007 now takashi mike puts out like i don't know 107 films a year or something. The dude is super prolific. So maybe this just got kind of lost in the shuffle to me. But uh, boy, I was I was really, really excited when uh, I watched it all the way through and stayed to the very end of the credits and then saw that it was directed by Takashi Miike because I didn't even realize that through the whole thing and then went, oh, amazing. Uh, I've checked another one off the list. It was great. But uh, Chris, you voted for this. I, I believe that you have seen this before. Um, what is your relationship to this film and why is it that that you were like, dudes, how did you miss this? Yeah, I well, so apparently Michael hadn't.
0: But when I saw both of you guys had missed this, this is another one of those movies that for me was uh, a lot like uh, The Town uh, where it's like, OK, um, you know, solid Characters in this movie, great uh, action, very well shot, put together. Like it's a good all around movie, I think. Uh, and one that when I, when, you know, it kind of comes up and I realize you guys were both like, Oh, uh, I was like, okay, well, cool. This is, this is an opportunity to throw something in that that neither of you had seen. And personally, you know, I, I I've, I'm a fan of, um, samurai movies. I'm not going to say like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm deep there in in the knowledge of all things samurai, but, uh, you know, there's certainly, they certainly hold a, a spot in my heart. um, so, yeah, I mean, when you hadn't seen it, it was an exciting chance. This is something I've seen probably, um, you know, a few times since it came out in 2010. Um, and, you know, like you're saying, like, you know, originally saw it because uh, I was aware of Takeshi Miike's other movies or at least some of his other movies. Like you're saying, he was there's a stretch. He was making like four to six movies a year every year. So there's a lot that I haven't seen. But um, knew he made some cool violent stuff when it was samurai stuff and it had good reviews you know, was looking forward to it. So uh, maybe before we, we get into talking about um, what we actually thought about this movie, uh, we want to talk quickly uh, about how it came to be. So for most folks, uh, like you said, Evan, Takeshi Miike kind of, came into their awareness either through um, Ichi the Killer or Audition. Audition especially being part of that wave of kind of like the Japanese horror uh, that came around, uh, you know, the turn of the millennia with movies like um, Ringu and uh, The Grudge and Cure and all sorts of stuff, many of which got remade into Western uh, movies over that mm-hmm. period. But Audition was one of those ones that I remember seeing uh, in in that era. And so he kind of became uh, much more familiar, I think, with, with Western audiences. Like you said, he's made a ton of movies uh, over the last while, often being kind of like Yakuza or Samurai or horror or thriller, uh, often mixing in weird other stuff in there, either comedy. He's got a zombie family musical uh, in amongst that list. Like it's often a weird mix up of stuff and he often says like that that um you know c- categories genres of movies are really more for people reviewing them than people making them um and so um one of the things that has often stood out in a lot of his movies is just the, the controversy around the level of gore and violence uh that goes into them so uh you know i think there's elements of that that you can see in parts of this movie though not nearly as as visceral or whatever is is in his many other ones. Um, And this is a movie that came about, like you said, in 1999. Uh, He had Daisuke Tengen, who's one of the folks he worked with writing uh, audition, uh, adapt the screenplay from the original 1963 movie made by H.E. Kudo. Um, And we'll get into where it draws on some, some um, you know other inspiration Uh, but when they made this this movie was only made on a budget of uh, six million bucks which I don't know how that fares in Japanese filmmaking but for me that stands out as a like not a big pile of cash to make a you know lengthy drawn out you know war movie yeah Um, I think
1: they've put every dollar of that up on the screen it for 16 million sorry for six million dollar budget and and a and a big cast 13 assassins people uh plus you know the person that they need to assassinate plus oh his army yeah. so <laughs> there's they they did a lot with 6 million and that's super impressive but it only makes about 18 million dollars back and you know what like that's actually when you think about it a pretty good return on investment making 3 times what it put out. But it also means that like a not a lot of people ended up really seeing it outside of of Japan. Um that said, it got some really solid reviews. Um, you know, Roger Ebert, for instance, and we we speak to his stuff a fair amount, but he gave it 3.5 stars and named it one of the best movies uh, of the year. Um it's got and 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, even though this movie in Canada right now when we're recording is nearly impossible to find. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that we were able to, to track down copies for this. Um, so, Michael, now that you have seen this, I guess, twice, um, is this a movie that you're happy that you've seen twice. I think you gave us a little bit of a spoiler. And is it a movie
2: that you would um, recommend other people see? I'm incredibly happy I watched it again. And I will uh, recommend it to anyone within, and we'll talk about this a little bit, within this set of you know people who like this genre of movies. But 100% super glad I watched it again. And I would recommend this to anyone who I think Uh, like this type of movie
1: yeah i'm i'm with you i am so happy to have seen this movie uh and i would happily recommend it to the people who i think would enjoy all the things about this movie that i enjoyed it is not for everyone it it is definitely not for everyone (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> right let's be like super clear yes this is this not for everyone not for everyone
1: um but if you're someone who digs gore and samurais and uh, wicked fight scenes um yeah you know what uh, probably one that uh, you don't want to miss Well, how about you, Chris? Like you've seen this film, what, four, five, six, seven times now? (laughs) Probably more
0: like the four. But yeah, I mean, um, I I think for me, it's a movie I would, well, I have recommended clearly. Um, So I I mean, I think you guys have kind of touched on like, you know, if you're a little bit, squeamish around gore i mean there's some some terrible stuff that people do to each other well one person in particular does to oh, people yeah. in this movie uh which could definitely upset people who are a little bit more sensitive but otherwise i mean it's a pretty solid um you know action uh samurai movie i'll i'll also say that you know if you don't like subtitles Uh, I probably wouldn't recommend the version of this movie that's dubbed because the dubbed version I heard of this movie was not great so if you're not a subtitle person you might want to you know dodge that too but otherwise like it's a pretty awesome movie so definitely definitely recommended for me so maybe that's a good spot to take a quick break Uh, and on the other side we can talk about uh, what made this movie awesome and what made it a little iffy for some viewers Well, hi there. So uh, we're going to get into all the details about this movie. If you don't like spoilers, we will do those a lot. Uh, coming right up. So, um, you know, a quick recap of what this movie is about. So uh, a group of samurais gets tasked with assassinating the shogun's sadistic brother. That's Lord Narutsugu. Uh, and this group of assassins methodically plans an ambush and faces off against Naratsugu's forces in a small mountain village. Now, this movie uh, is very interestingly paced. Like, basically, you can break this up into the three acts where you find out about uh, you know, the overall plot and Lord naratsugu and what a bad person he is. And then it goes into uh, planning and preparing for the ambush. And then just a 45 minute roller coaster battle uh, to top the movie off. So I'm curious what each of you kind of felt about the, the structure and pacing uh, that,
2: um, you know, kind of plays out in that three part movie. I loved everything about this pacing. I am a huge fan of the Kurosawa, uh, Seven Samurai movie. And for me, this kind of like follows it uh, beat by beat in some ways. Some of the setup is different. Some of the motivation why they do things is different. But I'm very comfortable with the structure of initial need to do something, preparation, and then a really long extended battle scene. I think actually this tightened it a little bit. And I didn't think anything felt long or stretched out. I was super pleased with the... Pacing, How they structured it, the setup, they gave the characters enough time to uh, really understand why they're doing what they're doing. So uh, I don't know. I, I just I have nothing to complain about when it comes to that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you, Michael. The The pacing is really interesting. It's one of the first notes that I, I wrote down when I was watching this is that the pacing is so different than so many of the other movies we've watched. It feels like it is building towards something momentous, that in the beginning, peace has been shattered. And so the pacing is quiet uh, and a bit slow, but there are these flurries of activity, of thought, of Ooh, we want to maintain the peace. We want to try to keep things going, oh, but can we, can we keep the status quo? And then that second act starts to feel like, okay, now we're, now we're marching forward. Things are happening. Things start getting a little bit more, not frenzied, but, but there is definitely a sense of, of urgency that's happening. And that made this third act, the battle in the village, just so satisfying because you've been waiting, you know it's going to happen, and it just keeps keeps you wanting, and then it delivers and delivers for <laughs> forty five minutes. So I was I was really fascinated by the pacing. I think that it it is done really 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 well. Um, in the way that it underscores um, just the 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 sense of of the film itself,
0: yeah, I think I think one of the things too that it winds up doing uh, very well as a result of that very kind of like you're saying, it's like you know if 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 it's a three speed machine, it's on very low speed in the beginning, then kind of medium speed, and then it picks up to just an, a full out you know non like full ahead kind of speed right at the end. And part of the thing that that first. Um, act being a little bit slower lets them do I think well and this also partly ties back to the 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 violence um, that we kind of talked about is set up Lord Naritsugu as a a bad dude like there's a no
1: I'm not just a bad dude I mean this like like truly sociopathic repugnant dude like oh man I don't know that we've seen a movie with this awful a person uh
0: like like in it yeah i mean like to your point he is full on sociopathic just just trying to feel anything i think through doing these terrible things uh to others and having no um um, boundaries put on him because of his position as the, the Shogun's brother and se- seems like eventual successor uh, and just just trying to feel anything because nobody's ever put any rules around him. So why not? I can do all these things and you stupid samurai aren't going to stop me because it's your job to protect me, you dum dumbs. Uh, so why don't I hack off some limbs and shoot some kids and oh boy, all the things he does. But you really, really loathe him uh, by the the end of that first act.
2: I, I think this is, we, we probably need to cover this right up front to say Mike is very similar to Tarantino in the sense of like, you could say, oh, would it be great if Tarant- some Tarantino movies were a little bit um, scaled down because then I would be able to show them to such and such. But then at some point there wouldn't be a Tarantino movie anymore. And I think it's the exactly same thing here to say, you could have gotten that point across without, some of the choices he made, but then of course it wouldn't be his style of a movie. So what what you need to be super clear with anyone watching this is to say, yeah, like there, there, there are two things going on. One is there's a movie that could have in my mind been told very well, with some terrific messages without some of the gratuitous sort of violent acts and details. Um, but at the same time, like, That's his style, like he's making the movie that he needed to make it, like that's true to him. So you need to go into this with with both those things in mind to say, yes, um, in the way that you would watch a Tarantino movie. Am I okay to watch these things? And if so, you can also enjoy some very deep things going on, but we have to be hyper clear about this for anyone considering watching it like there's a lot going on yeah
1: there there are no redeeming characteristics at all to Neretsugu. there is no push to um make us sympathize with uh with him in any way or uh, oh he's doing this because uh he's unloved he he is a terrible, terrible human being. And one of the things that I really loved uh, about his characterization um, was that he is kind of horrible at every level in terms of the the taboos that, that he will break and the decorum that he will break and the rules that he will violate. And that goes from the horrendous things that he will do with rape and murder and dismemberment and torture. But Mickey also takes these moments to show that he will do it even in the small things where he's been served this meal and he sort of is about to eat and then looks at his chopsticks and tosses them aside and then takes all of these carefully prepared dishes and, smushes them together on his plate to make like just a big pile of mush and then eats it like uh like an animal. And then is like, bring me two women tonight. And you're like, oh, oh, oh no. Like, not only do I fear for these women, but it's just like watching someone eat like that is viscerally disturbing as well. I I, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. And, and I think
0: it's one of the things that they do very well is setting him up uh, in this position to be um, so just all around, you know, depraved uh, in, in this movie in every single way that you can think of, uh, because it it very much sets it up to tie into a lot of the themes that carry through in the movie around, um, you know, justice and duty and honor and, you know, what's the right version of those things? Because you have samurai trying to protect uh, him, Lord Narutsuku. So Hanbei, who's his like right-hand man and protector, trying to protect him because that's what you're supposed to do as a samurai, even though I know he's terrible and I'm trying to stop him from doing terrible things. And on the other side, you've got Shinziman, uh, who's the lead played by Koji Akusho, uh, who is um, also, you know, trying to serve justice, trying to carry out his duty and trying to be honorable, but in a much more individualistic way uh, where he's following his own code rather than the code of the samurai. So I'm curious how you both felt those those themes kind of like tied into the movie and played out throughout.
1: Well, I thought those those themes played extremely well. And in fact, to me, the opening shots really kind of nailed down these themes. So the opening shot, of of this is a lord committing hada kitty uh so he's doing a r- ritual suicide and the framing of it is incredibly strong because the he is in the middle of the shot and that is not something you see super often um, usually characters, uh, on screen are in one of sort of the, the other thirds of the, of the sides, because it gives, um, you know, a, a, a sense of, of, um, interest to the eye when you're looking at it like this, but he's in the middle, which is very, very much in keeping with, uh, the way that Kurosawa shot a lot of things. And I watched Rashomon recently. And so much of that framing, uh, when the the characters are delivering their um, stories, is the same kind of thing where they are so central to the frame. And when you have someone that central to the frame and that they are committing ritual suicide for honor, it really does feel like the theme of honor is literally put front and center um, in so many ways. And so I thought that that was really interesting. Then I found out also that that opening scene was uh, almost shot for shot for the original opening of the 1963 13 Assassins. So it adds this other layer that's really interesting of calling back to the original that you know is is also at a time that that uh, kurosawa would have been making films and so that that's really um kind of influential in that so talking back to or hearkening back to um to its predecessor but also really making its themes front and center. I thought it was kind of a masterful opening.
0: Yeah. I'll say one of the things about the opening too, uh, that I found, um, quite, uh, different to your point, like the framing is different, but also there's no sound other than wind blowing and the sound of, of, um, Lord Mamiya stabbing himself and and killing himself. And I, I think to your point, the, the lack of, scoring or anything else under that besides like some wind blowing in the background helps to your point, bring bring like, what is the point of this movie? Uh Like really into focus. Folk- There's nothing to distract here from this thing that is front and center in front of your eyes of this guy killing himself, which you then find out is because he's leaving a note uh, because he's so upset about Lord Naratsugu, like front and center. No, no music, no, no extras. Just like,
2: this is the shot. I think there are two things. Like one is yes, super strong opening Incredibly strong opening, like that just that gets your attention right away. But but the theme around honor, in this particular case, you don't really get the full implication of that until later. But then when you look at like the the thread of it, so both sides have it. Uh, even Hanbei, who you know is on the the side of the evil lord, he has this whole thing around like just the the fate has dealt him this cards. He's now he's in service of this Lord like, what's he going to do like he has hes at the core he's still a samurai he has to do this and on the flip side you have the people who say like the uh, the at the the top you couldn't officially sanction uh, the killing of this terrible person because he has a position that he's going to uh, attain so like honor goes throughout this entire thing and everyone has to play out their their version of honor in a different way but it's constant throughout the entire thing uh including in the commentary of the people who are not samurai to say like you samurai you, you're just nuts like but you, all this chatter about this and this and this but it's a constant thread throughout everything that they do in this movie and i just love that part that that's one of these buttons for me where i just go oh yeah that that I I love it. Yeah. And,
0: and I mean, like, like Evan said, this is clearly a little bit of a, uh, you know, uh, uh love note to samurai movies because it does draw on so many other movies. Like you said, I mean, it, it is based on that 1963 uh, movie, so the plot is kind of cribbed from that. But a lot of the beats, like you you were kind of pointing out, are drawn more from um, Seven Samurai in terms of that pacing and that build up for that big climactic battle. And there's also lots of other things that uh, came from other movies. Like you know, Shinzimon in this movie is much more akin to um, Kurosawa's character from. From Sanjuro, where he's kind of this wise, thoughtful, you know, experienced uh, samurai, and similar for a lot of the other characters. But I think, I mean, probably the biggest thing that is the standout characteristic of this is that build up to that then on running battle through that last. 45, 50 minutes of the movie. So, uh, you know, skipping ahead from Lord Narutsugu doing bad stuff, they make their plans and then they arrive in the mountain village waiting for Naritsugu to arrive. Like, what is that like for uh, you guys as the like, especially Evan, as the first time viewer of this, this nonstop running battle? What was it like
1: watching it? Oh, man, I was I was so excited because they've been again, they've been really leading up to this. Uh, You know, you've 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 got some of the training that they do earlier on. And, uh, you know, it's they're like, if you don't have a sword, you know, grab a stick. If you don't have a stick, grab a rock. If you don't have a rock, use your hands and fists like you. You have to kill everybody Uh, and it, so, so when, when you finally get this like super tense showdown and, uh, you know, you, you have, uh, Zaman, uh, reach into his, uh, robe and pull out the, um, the, the sign that the daughter of the peasant revolt had, uh, written with, with her the mouth, mouth yeah. because, uh, be, because awful. yeah, because Narutugu is awful and has uh, dismembered her and cut out her tongue, uh, and they show that uh, they they really they really show that in full frontal, and it is horrific and disturbing, and is one of the reasons why is... Um, decides that that he's going to take this job of of leading this group of of, of samurai killers. He pulls out that that sign uh, that she had written, or the message that she had written that says "total massacre," and it's just such this beautiful callback that he's standing there in front of the in front of Neretsuga's army, and he pulls out the sign that says "total massacre," and I was just like, chef's kiss. That is. Fantastic. Thank you for tying all of that together. And then there's a total massacre and there are cool traps and there's cool fighting. And even before all that starts, you get this awesome view of the top of the town as the army's filing in and you see like katanas like hiding in various parts of the of the like the roofs and and, you know, in the in the roof lines and in bales of hay. And you're like, oh, oh man, this is going to be amazing. And then suddenly there were flaming cows and I there were cows on fire running through the streets. And it was insane. And uh, I literally yelled like, holy fuck, flaming cows. And. Um, it was delightful. What can I say? It was forty-five minutes of complete carnage. And uh, if you're if you're into that kind of thing on screen, this was magnificent. This was a symphony of uh, of
2: of destruction. I think it works so well because the lead up is so good. Like they, there, there, a couple of things they have to do in the lead up. They they have to introduce the the cost. Why are we doing this? They have to introduce the, the the people like who are involved in this. And, you know, now we're five, now we're seven, now we're nine, now we're 11. And then eventually they get up to to 13 people. So by the time that they get into this final thing, uh, it just, for me, it just makes perfect sense. Everything is led up to this point. They've done all the planning. They've done all the consideration this thing that you were mentioning around the uh, the katanas being littered, like it, it is I didn't really understand it at first, but then I was like oh yeah, that's exactly what the the John Wick 2 did uh, thing did in the catacombs, like you place the swords there because you need them I'm just going to pick up another one when I need it, here and here and here, everything is so well prepared, all the traps all the things, all the you, you know, like it's it's brilliant and for me it works because the lead up is so well executed that by the time you get there it just seems like everything makes sense. it's the perfect setup and you're just ready then for it to be. it could have been twice the length and it just made sense because the execution was so well done.
1: Chris, is it still exciting seeing it time for? Uh, yeah, I mean I think I think you called out the flaming cows. Uh,
0: that is probably one of the things that I don't love, but it's the only real use of CGI in this movie and everything else is done um practically so even the fight scenes aren't sped up there's nothing really sped up in in the film <clears throat> and the the cows is only the really noticeable and and when the bridge explodes and some horses and stuff fall
2: fall in those are the only times oh, no. that no oh no let's Not talk good. about let's talk about cows. <laughs> i wrote down i wrote down the only effect that is incredibly bad it was like it's really bad. really bad it's really bad yeah if they had if they had avoided that Everything would have been brilliant. But yeah, flaming cows, please ignore them. They last a very short time, and then you can... Yeah, seem to enjoy the movie, but they're so Again, back to the six million dollars
0: and they spent every penny of it. Uh, and so I, I'll, I'll just say, like, I do notice those when I rewatch it, but I don't care because the rest of the fights are uh, so good. And one of the things that I love. Uh, so everything from the moment where uh, Kurenaga, uh says we commemorate your passage with arrows is like that's the starter's pistol. Then they start trying to like shoot naratsuga with arrows. And then from it's just on like donkey kong uh and arrows and swords and explosions and everything from there is just great one of the things that i love about how the the um fight scenes are choreographed is they kind of alternate between moments of just like wide shots of like you're saying at first kind of the the town as they come in and then wide shots of some of these battles going on, then into some tight shots of the individuals who you don't remember all of the the samurai's names. You don't need to, there's only a couple you need to know and, and the rest are like, and that guy and that guy too. But what I do love is that, um, you know, mega spoiler. There, there's one of them who survive. Well, two, one. We'll talk about that two, later. Me, me, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, um, who survive? Basically, out of everyone, the 200 bad guys and the 13 assassins, uh, two people survive. But I love that everybody kind of gets a moment, even when they get killed, to be like. Like, to your point, Evan, where it was like, you know, if you don't have a sword, you know, pick up a stick or a rock, or you like, you're just going out and taking as many of them as you can with you. And they all get that moment throughout the scenes. And probably one of my favorite is... um when uh Hirayama's uh student the sword the sword master guy the, who's like, the young one yeah the young one is dying yeah the- looking at Hirayama oh. taking out guys and then literally fighting with his hands in a rock before he kind of dies as well like ev- everybody gets that moment to be like oh okay as much as I don't know their names what I appreciate is they all came into this like with that theme of like honor and we're doing something worthwhile, especially in this samurai culture that has been kind of, um, you know, dwindling or disappearing over the last 200 years of peace. And now we get to do something real and meaningful. And the difference isn't that we can fight better than they can because none of us fight very well, but that like, we're coming in to do this right and go out like real samurai. And that's what I love throughout that big fight and it still
2: holds up for me. I I, I think you touched on two points that stood out for me one was you mentioned uh uh, hirayama and when he presents his uh, pupil there's this whole discussion about like is he too young and there's this whole thing around like um you know that the um devotion doesn't know age and it is so samurai it is so japanese because it's the whole thing where where there's this exchange around like oh my logic was too shallow May we ask for your help. And that way of rephrasing it, it is so honorable. Like this is again, like one of these illustrations of like how you flip it around to say, you know, we not just saying, oh, I'm sorry I said that, but it's like flipping it around in a way of saying you, what you bring and your devotion to it. um, And the way of doing it's just like, for me, it's like a perfect illustration of it. Then the flip side though, One of the things I had about this movie, and this is going to sound terrible, I could not, honestly, I could not keep track of everyone's name and who they were at all times, because everyone are dressed the same. Everyone has the same top knot hair and cut. Black outfit. And the the names are not super intuitive to remember. So there were times when I was like, wait, which one is this? And that would not be a problem in the third viewing, but there were times when I was like, I don't know who just died. But you do know which side they're they're on. You do know? Oh, Because it's very clear these are one of the
0: 13 versus these are the prince's uh, bodyguard or whatever. They're all at least dressed. So I will say you can at least, and I understand first viewing versus second viewing versus whatever viewing for me. But I will say like, I think you can at least follow who is who um it's it would be very easy to perhaps lose track of them if they didn't have kind of the the different wardrobe helmets you know whatever garb uh that the the um nartsugu's guys wear so at least you can follow it but to your point which one i yeah it can be easy to lose track of some of them for sure
2: don't don't get me wrong like the 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 use of the round helmets the use of Uh, The fact that the evil uh, Lord is the only one dressed in white like that, that's brilliant. But if you look at like the contrast with something like Star Wars, well, you have a Wookiee, you have a princess, you have a golden robot, like sure. And all the evil ones are like the the white stormtroopers. Here, it was just between our uh, 13 it wasn't always super easy for me to keep track of them. That that's all I'm saying. But you're but you're 100% right. And I, I think that
1: that's not something to really be ashamed of, Michael, because this also kind of felt a little bit like platoon for me, where there are a few people that you really get to know. You know, like you really get to you. You know, Shinsen. You 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 know you know like. His nephew, um, you know, there's a, there's a couple of other uh, characters that that you sort of spend a little bit more time with as well. But there's like seven of these samurai, perhaps, where they they come in very very quickly. It's sort of like, okay, here I am. Also, I'm bringing my three friends. Great, thank you for joining us, and. They disappear for a chunk of time um, when the party gets split up and there are, you know, oh, we've been, you know, here helping prep. So everybody, to Chris's point, does get like an amazing kind of send off. But there are a number of people who very sort of platoon like are like, okay so I sort of know who this is but not really, but I know that which side they're on and okay. They had a really cool death and it was neat seeing them fight. Um, but uh, you know, they're not, you know, they're not uh, shinzaimon They're not uh, Hirayama, you know, they're not, uh, uh, you know, Shinrokuru or, or,
0: you know, people like that. One of the people, you know, yeah. I will say um, one of the things that I do enjoy about this movie too is the unevenness of the sword fighting uh, in this movie between all of them too. And it was actually uh, something that Miike made a point of uh, with especially some of the younger actors who hadn't been in samurai movies and stuff before. I mean, they make a point early of calling it out of like, no real samurai has used their sword in battle in forever. So none of us really know how to do it. So it's a challenge for everybody. Um, so there's only a couple people who look genuinely good with their swords. Uh, and he, uh, in preparation for the movie, basically took a bunch of them and said, great, you've never done a samurai movie before. Cool. Here's a sword. That's it. No training, no, no classes, no whatever. So a lot of them went into it not knowing how to use a sword because he wanted them to come across uh, kind of in the same way that we're talking about them a little bit is like these young samurai who have never done this before and aren't even that noteworthy other than they're looking for kind of a good samurai death, but they aren't brilliant swordsmen. They're just kind of like trying to overpower their enemy with their sheer uh, will and defiance and whatever their goal of, of, you know, winning the day and killing this bad guy. Um, but maybe here's a good spot for a break. And on the other side, maybe we can talk about some of the other ways that how this movie uh, looks and how uh, Miike puts the camera on a scene. We'll be right back. Mm -hmm. And welcome back. So uh, one of the things I would definitely want to talk about is how Miike uses the camera in this movie, because we talked a little bit earlier about, um, you know, calling back to some of those samurai classics. And I think he does that not just uh, in the story and some of the characters, but also in some of those shots, like wide panoramic shots of of uh, battles and landscapes and various things like. It's very similarly shot to uh, some of Kurosawa's work, like you were saying, Evan. And one of the things that I found fascinating uh, is that this was a movie shot almost entirely on natural light.
1: Like Amadeus. Like Amadeus, but with a whole lot more swords. Yeah. Oh, wow. That would have been a very different movie. Um, yeah, I I agree. I The natural lighting immediately caught my eye. Uh, along with those wide shots, and not just wide shots within, um, you know, the, the sort of panorama of, of the landscape, but um, these really nice wide shots within the, the sort of the chamber pieces that were being done, I really thought that was effective. And again, with the, uh, the way that the film is paced and particularly in that first act, those wide shots give this sort of this sense of, uh, I, I, of, 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 more of a slow build be, and, and then when we're in the second act and we're walking through the forest, things start getting a little bit closer and in fact go to handheld because there is a lot of like big static shots earlier and then we're into handheld. And I was like, Oh no, handheld. Um, but done very, very effectively and, and made me feel very much more, uh, in invested more uh, deeper in the scene. Um, and so I, I thought that that just across the board, the the cinematography was done really well. And one of the other things I'd, I'd like to call out is um, Mieke's use of um, reveals with the camera. He is so, so good. And this may come from kind of that horror background of keeping the camera on something and you're just dreading what you're going to be seeing on the other side of it. And then particularly in the Naratsugu scenes, when the camera turns and you see what he's been working on, uh, you know, shooting a family, perhaps with uh, an arrows for fun, um, it, it's, it's so horrifying and sort of it is a, a, a beautiful punchlines, not the right word, but that's what it would be if it was a joke. It's everything is perfectly set up to deliver this gut punch. Uh, it It is so excellently done. Yeah, I think I think to that point to Naritsugu, it is
0: kind of the punchline of a joke right and that's partly mm, why to him yeah. yeah and i think that's partly why why those those cuts and the editing are so effective unlike you know we talked about glengarry Glenn ross not too long ago where it just flipped constantly and was a little bit disjointed it feels like the the cuts the edits those kinds of things are much more uh, like you're saying intentional and and impactful uh, when they're happening here
2: i thought it was so brilliantly done 99 percent of the entire thing. Were the flaming like cows made, the other 1%? No, actually. There's one scene where there's a 90-degree flip of the camera to kind of show the, the point of view of a dying character. And that's the one time when I thought, I get what you're doing, but this was just... It took me out of the entire thing. Everything else, like you said, around like the nature shots, when to zoom in on a person's face, like the the entire intro... It is way more gruesome to just show the facial acting of the person in the beginning uh, uh, killing himself than if they had shown the detail of it. Like all the zoom in, zooms out are brilliant. But this thing around the 90 degree flip for me was like, okay, well, hang on. like That, for whatever reason, took me out of it. But otherwise, everything else I thought was just like, so cleverly thought
0: not not as egregious as uh the enter the dragon kung fu cam flip but uh yeah i i I can see how that could be although i actually quite like that one because it's just that dying moment for him but I, i i can definitely say how that would work i think one of the things for me too about the the lighting in this movie um because the beginning of this movie is all kind of um cloak and dagger Stuff, right? Uh, the Sir Doi has to go and get somebody to go kill Lord Naratsugu, and the other people are aware that, well, he's gotta do something, and they're trying to kind of sniff out what each other's plans are and what's happening. Because it's all done in these chambers with candlelight and it's dim and it's shadows. Like I think it really helps um make that point of what's going on in that first act is it is all happening behind closed doors and nobody's really aware. And it is this very kind of, you know, stealthy exercise that's, that's being undertaken. And then as you move on and you move outside and it, it lightens up a little bit, you still kind of get these great, um, you know, contrasts of moving through the, the kind of like shade of the jungle. And then the more open spaces you have this battle in the town. But I I just love how much the, the lighting underscores just, All this stuff that is is, you know, top secret and stealthy and
1: kind of ill intent stuff happening uh,
0: in the first act, uh, which I thought the
1: the lighting really helped. Yeah. And I think that that to your point, um, the lighting is is doing so much underscoring uh, and the music in this film isn't there is there is a very minimal amount of score in this film and that is really interesting and really effective i mean we spoke earlier about how that that first scene of uh of the the suicide you just hearing you know the wind and the, the sound that the that the uh uh, sword is making as it rips through cloth and flesh, but there, all of these places where uh, perhaps a, 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 a an American film, North American film, might um, use sort of tense music to underscore this cloak and dagger stuff. It is silent. It is room tone and. People just shifting. And that was extraordinarily effective to me. I started only really noticing the score when they were doing kind of these transition scenes of like, oh, now we're going to show horses, horses. Now we're going to show, you know, the horses, the horses galloping on their way to do this thing. Uh, So as we're cutting and traveling now, we have kind of that epic scoring. But when things are serious We're we're using silence as the score, and it is just absolutely masterful.
0: Yeah, I think... The, the the silence uh, throughout this film really plays out. And I think one of the things that um, it really helps you notice for me uh, is some of the performances delivered, especially for me, by by Koji Yukusho uh, as uh, Shinzaemon. So uh, for, for folks who don't know, uh, Koji Yukusho is like a very um, celebrated Japanese actor. He's been working for over 45 years now, I guess, 35 years or whatever it was when this movie was made. Um, you know, very celebrated, awarded, um, actor in Japan, as well as doing an, uh, a number of, of pieces, um, for, you know, international film companies. Um, and like his, his role is, as Shinziman, I think he, you know, is often, having to be serious, but he has those moments where you just go like, Oh wow. Like the moment for me, when you have that, that discovery of the young woman who's, um, had her arms and legs chopped off and he just has that moment where it turns back on him and he smiles in this kind of like, Whoa, what is, what's going on? And you realize he's like, finally, I have a reason to be alive again. And it just plays out so well on his face of just like like that smile that he's able to put on. And I think there's something about um, his face. Anytime I see him smile throughout this movie where I'm just like, man, when that guy smiles, something's either like, something really gets to me about how he's feeling. So I, I don't know about how you felt, but I, I really loved uh, Koji Okusho as, as Shinseiman in this movie.
1: I I absolutely agree with you, Chris. I I mean there are I I don't know that there are really any false notes. Um, you know with with uh, Yakusho's performance or really with any of the performances, uh, they're just they're they're really excellent across the board. And the supporting cast um are are watchable so so watchable and uh everybody's just everybody's like there to play uh you know i i particularly uh liked uh hariyama um i thought it was just so badass and um you know like it it was just across the board like really excellent Performances. Some very small, very serious. or Doi comes to mind for that. Um, some that are uh, comedic and and you know pretty big, like like Kiga Koyata, um, the the woodsman. Um, but they they all feel like they're in the same movie, and they all feel like they are really invested in in these performances
2: yeah but particularly like it you need you need the central character you need someone to bring sort of the the 13 together and i think that that is so important to have someone who's believable around essentially coming back you know the introduction of him that that scene of them him sitting there fishing with the other fishermen it's just incredible. It's kind of like the whole representation of being brought back into real life. And then little by little, exactly like you said, the, the whole thing about fate having called him back there, his hands are shaking and then he lets the moment sit and he calms down and essentially says, okay, I'm in. And then from that point on, all the people that they managed to bring together, uh, it, it's so much of it is about him as the, the core and I don't, I'm, I'm not sure what that would look like with anyone else. I, I don't think it would have been as effective because his presence, he's so believable in his, uh, you know, what, what's driving him and why he's coming back to do this one thing. So, yeah, I, I don't think he can um, say enough about his performance. Yeah, I,
0: I, I'm, I'm a very big fan. I mean, he's been in a couple other movies. I, I mean, in fact, he, he just won um, best actor at, at Cannes this year uh, at the film festival too. So like, you know, he, oh, wow. he's, he's somebody who's had kind of this enduring um, presence in Japanese film because he, you know, his big breakout role was a uh, shall we dance in, in the nineties. And, you know, here he is 30 years later, still um, you know, winning awards on an inter- international stage. And I, I think to your point, Michael, like I can't imagine too many other people kind of having the right gravitas, but also, you know, levity and whatever at the right moments too. Uh, but Evan, I, I think you're bang on too. Like, I think there's, there's those moments for, for everybody, even if you don't know everybody in detail, a lot of them get those moments, including um, what's his name? The guy, the Ronan uh, guy, with, say, perfect example. I can't remember his name. The Ronan guy with the spear uh, who's like, Hey, I'll work, mm, I'll work mm-hmm. for you, uh, but you need to pay me. Um, and they're like, well, shouldn't you be doing this for honor or whatever? He's like, look, I got some debts and I want to bury my wife and make my own preparations. And, you know, like there's just those moments where you're like, all right, this is this is an all right guy. And to your point, Hirayama is just like a badass sword saint kind of dude. And it's very much of the like Musashi, you know, dedicated to the sword. And when he goes through walls of guys one after another with real cuts, you're like, that guy actually looks like he knows what he's he's doing when he's swinging that sword. So they all get at least a little bit of character, uh, even if not. I think the one character, um, we've kind of already talked about the character, but what about the performance of uh, Goro Inagaki as
1: um, Narutsugu? Haunting. He's fantastic. Like he, he, he is, he, he, he makes you hate him so, so much. And his death scene is Really, really good. Uh, where he's like, "It hurts. I'm, I'm, I'm scared. This is the pain. It hurts. I'm, I'm scared." And and it's like he's processing an emotion for the first time. Uh, that something has been done to him, and. I, he's dragging himself across the ground, and he, you know, but then is ultimately like, "Yeah, I'm going to die, but this has been the most interesting day of my life." Yeah, and it's like, "Oh my God, please, somebody chop Stab off him this again. monster's yeah. head!" Yeah,
0: it, 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 it's it is one of those things that makes you want him to die all over again because he's terrible. And as much as he has that moment of
2: fear, it's also the like, "Finally, I felt something." Thank you, people, for giving me something to feel and there's the thing about that earlier as well so so first of all about his performance at that point has um been all about expressing no emotion whatsoever he is so crazily calm in everything he does that that is scarier than anything else if he had been over the top into it maybe it would have been like that's just a ridiculous villain but the fact that he shows nothing and then the second thing is like when when he has this realization oh is this is this what it was like? Is this what the, the era of war was like? I can't wait to bring this back. When I'm in power, I'm going to bring all of this back. Like that, aha. Uh-huh. You and, and you just realize that this is the most dangerous person uh, in the world because of that combination of things. Like just, I feel nothing. I want to feel something. And look at this chaos. I can't wait to bring this back to make me feel something again. So one of the supporting characters in this movie raises
0: a lot of questions. So Kiga Koyata, a.k.a. the woodsman or the hunter, uh, a.k.a. question mark. What else is this guy like? What is the storyline that you think plays out with him?
1: OK, so that is a really good question, because I was wondering that a whole lot because um I mean, what, he he doesn't seem to feel pain. Cool. And, and they and they uh, play that up for comedy early on. Um, he has prodigious appetites, uh, you know, uh, uh, insatiable both, both for, yeah. for insatiable appetites sexually. Uh, also um, seems to be sexually omnivorous, uh, which is delightful and played for laughs, but it is pretty entertaining. Um, and then he, he is definitely killed with a sword through the neck and at the end, you know, shows up and, and is like, uh, talking to, to, uh, Shin Zemin's nephew, the, the one other survivor, uh, uh And he's like, well, I saw you die. And he's like, yeah, you know, this isn't as bad as like uh, fighting bears, uh, you know, that I do, uh, you know, if you Samurais, you, 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 know, you're kind of, you're kind of whatever. And then he goes prancing off. Um, I was wondering like, is he like, uh, a, a, a god, a demigod, a, a yokai, like, like a, 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 ghost monster kind of thing. And, and it got me wondering as well, if a, a, a Japanese audience, like if he is coded um, a certain way that we're missing um, for being, you know, Westerners watching this film, like if a Japanese audience is like, oh, because he did this, this and this, obviously he is this thing like you, the bad example would be like if we're watching a movie and then there's somebody dressed in green and is like, uh, yeah, you know, I can't wait to get back to my pot of gold. And you're like, oh, obviously <laughs> that, you know, that's a leprechaun. Um, so so I, I think he may have been a supernatural entity.
2: That, that's 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 my thought. For me, it was so funny because I I did not pick up on any of this, my like this most recent uh, viewing, until I was like, hang on, didn't he die? Because all I could kind of think of is that he was there to be this uh, uh, Toshiro Mifune character from Seven Samurai and like all the Kurosawa movies. Someone is just like a little bit funny, a little comedic. The outsider. uh, Outsider, trying to do right. And so all I could see was that. But then when I when I kind of was like, hey, hang on, what's going on? Why, why is he back? And I read up on it. My favorite theory was that no one else saw him and that it was just uh, Shinroku who saw him because he represented something for his life. He was the one who was kind of wobbling between uh, Samurai's life or doing something different. He was the one who was kind of saying, but going back to uh, his wife or doing this, and constantly going through this shift. So the idea that no one else actually saw him, and it was only uh, his own representation of kind of like going through, uh, you know, this versus that, that really resonated with me. It's like, okay, that was his internal struggle to say, do I go this life or that life? So then at the end of it, he was just like every argument that they have, Oh, you summer so nuts your your sense of honor you're this and that it's no fun um, that's what that all represented so for me I, I love that that's what I'm gonna go with
1: that's uh, that's really I like that argument a lot uh, especially because I think like his his uh, Shinroku's wife and Upashi, the uh, object of desire of uh, of Kiga are, are played by the same woman and and you're right there is the there is that bit where where Kiga's talking about uh, you know how amazing this woman is and and he's speaking only to uh, Shinroku at the time cuz they're like on night watch kind of thing but uh, I don't know but the, but every but other people talk about the woodsman they they hit him in the head with with sticks they they chat about how great he is they cut him out so, of a tree yeah yeah i know i i so <clears throat>
0: the first time i saw this movie i i was what's the way to would put it i wasn't thinking too seriously about it i was like oh that's weird i thought he died all right whatever this was awesome uh and then kind of looked it up after like michael did and then it's the okay well there's different permutations to your point evan it's like maybe he's some sort of uh, you know, demon, whatever. Like they're in the mountains around trees. That like that's a spot where there's lots of these spirit kind of creatures. Okay, uh, um, Upashi when they when they see her uh, when he has that flashback for a moment is eating something. The contents of which I'm very upset to consider. Anyway, um, and it's like okay, is this a thing that demons or whatever you know with these evil spirits or whatever would be doing? But also like the other version that I heard besides the one that Michael had was that. Everybody died, uh, even Shinroku died, uh, and they're actually just meeting uh, kind of on the way to the afterlife or, uh, you know, whatever, that kind of thing, too, because when he's like, hey, you died and he's like, uh, you know, you know, I'll see you in the next life. It was like, OK, well, so and I don't know one way or the other that you can really say it's any of them uh, because you're like, yeah. OK, it could be that it could be this. And Takeshi Mige has never really said, oh, he's this. So he's been very right. tight lipped ever since.
1: But I feel like that everybody's dead um, theory is undercut by the final shot of the film, which is uh, uh, Suya, Suya um, Shinroku's uh, wife or, or certainly the, the woman that he's living with, like coming like the shot of her, like look basically looking up and sp- smiling. Like, yeah smiling on it's somebody off camera. Yeah. And so in theory, that's Shinruku coming home. I, I I
0: I agree. I'm just it's really the like I think we can poke holes in any of these theories just as well as anything else. But I do think tying it back to something Michael said earlier, part of his role is to point out the the goofiness, the insanity, the whatever of the way samurai do things. Right. And I think that's something that this character kind of helps, um, make a little bit more sense of is this way of like honor and duty where you just have to get yourself killed for all these stupid reasons and what like, this is dumb. You guys are dumb. All of you samurai are crazy. And I think it, it does help, uh, underscore a little bit, of uh, the, the point of, you know, Shinzaemon and the crew, like there's a sense of like, individual honor and duty that they're carrying out which he still thinks is a little bit batty but at least it's the fun version of it it seems
1: yeah i mean he seems to be totally into uh Shinra-Ku's plan of like going to america and becoming a bandit um you know it uh, and i really like that Shinruku kind of like shuts him down it's like oh, you know oh you're not coming it, where, which is sort of like just like say hi to apashi for me and goes like Okay, and goes skipping off, hopping over dead bodies and clicking dead horses. Clicking his heels, yeah. Uh, clicking his <laughs> heels. <laughs> um, and I, and I really, I kind of dug as well. Like Shinzabon's like nine words, which like and I will I paraphrase here, but basically, like being a samurai sucks. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's 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 great. Uh, the This whole movie is is just delighted me. Well, so.
0: Good question, then. Um, do you think this is a movie you're going to come back to? Oh, hell yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to watch this again. Michael, how about you? I won't seek this out. You know, the next one on my list is probably going to be Seven Samurai, just to go back and kind of look at the original sort of uh, inspiration. When this comes up again, I will happily watch it. It's not going to be on my list to go and rewatch, watch um, But I, I really enjoyed watching this again. Really enjoyed it. And, and for fourth time watcher, Chris, yeah, I, I is there going to be a fifth? Yeah. I mean, I think
0: one of the, the things that works in favor of this movie is that it starts with um, 13. So it's very high on the list of movies that I see when I'm going into things and it's at the top of one of my, my movie lists as a result of the title. So it's very easy to remember that it's there and to go watch it. But I mean, I'll probably come back to it again in a few years. I, I think like Michael said, though, like one of the things this makes me want to go do is watch other samurai movies, right? So there's some more, um, that Takashi Mihike has made, um, that I'm interested in digging into, uh, which includes, um, uh, another performance from Koji Ukusho. Um, so, you know, that one, obviously some of the Kurosawa movies, just going back and watching those. Um, I, I rewatched the, uh, original, uh, or not rewatched, watched for a first time, uh, the original 13 assassins, um, and and uh, the remake is far better um i find the 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 pacing and the cinematography and everything isn't nearly as good in um uh version of the original version of this movie but like definitely wanted to go back and watch some of those other samurai classics just as a like oh yeah this twigs memories for me and i'd love to go back and watch those so um You know, I think for all of us, this has been a a fun watch. How soon we come back to it, I don't know. But, um, you know, definitely for me, gets me onto the, the desire to pull that thread of other samurai movies and see where that takes me. And that's probably a good spot to call it for this week. So that is what we thought about. 13 Assassins and we would love to know what you thought about this movie Uh, you can always find us on Twitter uh, at how did you miss this that's H-D-Y-M-T underscore pod while you're there take a look at some of the movies that we're planning on watching soon send us any questions you might have or if there's even a movie that you might have missed if you enjoy what we're doing uh, do us a favor take a second to uh, rate or review or subscribe wherever you happen to be listening to us and we'll be back next week when we'll be watching Miller's Crossing and seeing whether This mob movie can get away with the crossing The boss or whether it should stay missed Thanks for listening we'll talk to you Then